Welcome to Trending in Education, the learning video extravaganza episode. I'm very excited to be rejoined by Mike Tringe, the co-founder and CEO of Creator Up. Mike, welcome back to Trending in Education. Thanks, Mike. And as if that's not enough, we also have Nick Ahmed, who's the chief operating officer of Creator Up. Truth be told, Nick and I have a long history of working together. We may wind up a cracking wise at some point during this podcast because we know each other. Nick, welcome to Trending in Education. Great to be here, Mike. Thank you. And as if that's not enough, we even have more. We have someone who I've tried to get on the show a couple different times. I'm really excited to get him on this time. Hopefully uh, there's a refrigerator magnet in his future with his third appearance, but we'll come back to that later. I want to introduce Jason Palmer, no relation, although uh, a wonderful guy, Jason Palmer. Jason is the general partner at New Markets Venture Partners, one of the nation's leading education-focused venture capital firms. Jason, really excited to get you on the show as well. Welcome to Trending in Education. Hey, super excited to be here and talking to you again, Mike. Oh, yeah, yeah. And truth be told, Jason and I worked together. I've worked with all these guys before, which is why hopefully the rapport will carry through to our listeners. And uh, there is a little bit of news that we're going to get into as well, which is uh, Jason's fund has put in for a round of funding with Creator Up, which is recent news. It's something we're going to be talking more about throughout this conversation. But just to start, we typically ask for our, our guests to introduce themselves. In this case, I'll ask for a quick version of who you are and how you got to this point in your professional life. Starting with you, Mike. Sure. I'll make it quick. I am a filmmaker and a former educator. And uh, my origin story, which I know is something we like to talk about here, is I, as I was teaching in the classroom, I realized there was a kid who would sit in the back and wouldn't say anything, but he was really good with telling his story using a camera. And I thought, wow, this person communicates differently than the rest of us. He's not dumb or stupid. He just doesn't write as you know fluently as he does tell stories with media. Mm -hmm. That for me was the insight around what the world will start to look like as people are living in a more media centric environment, whether that be education or whether that be at, at companies. So that kind of drove my interest in filmmaking and going to USC film school, having graduated from USC film school, I realized not everybody could get in to learn those skills. So the inception of creator up was to transform the marketplace by making media education more globally accessible, and then to be able to offer those creative professionals work with a whole network of global clients that are ordering through our new marketplace. So I'll turn it over to Nick and Jason. Awesome. Yeah, Nick, that's a good segue into, into your relationship with Creator Up and video, but I know that's something you've touched on these domains really throughout your career. Can you catch us up quickly on your background that brought you to this point? Sure, really. There's, there's kind of two stories that come together and culminate with Creator Up. The first story is around working in Hong Kong for Time Warner and then Disney here in Los Angeles to look at new ways to create content, new models for creating content and new ways to distribute content. And so we were pushing the envelope as the web was just starting, as we we're taking some, you know, incredible brands and properties online for the first time and looking to see how people could access content in new ways. And then after that, the second story is digital education. So from digital media to digital education, we cross paths at Kaplan and help build, you know, the digital division there, you know, 
looking at live streaming and broadcasting classes in the late 2000s and also creating a studio and generating content. And so Creator Up, you know, essentially puts those two stories or those two worlds together. We're looking again at new ways, this, these breakthrough ways of creating content and providing everybody access to the ability to create content easily at scale and for people all over the world. Yeah. So it essentially brings those two worlds together. That's fantastic. And you're doing such great work that uh, one, Jason Palmer and team, New Markets Venture Partners, noticed what was going on. And uh, Jason, can you catch us up? Sure. Yeah. So I've been an investor in education companies for about a decade now. Uh, New Markets has been around for 20 years. And my background really briefly is I started three small companies in the 90s, so an entrepreneur by background. And then when I worked at Kaplan, I was a general manager and president of three businesses that were in both higher ed, K-12 and corporate learning. Mm -hmm. So the last 10 years have been investing in basically series A companies, which are startup companies with up to 10 million in revenue that we think can grow to a hundred million plus in revenue that are really going to revolutionize some quadrant of the learning market, the learning or training market yeah. and became really attracted to creator up over the last year. But I've known Mike and Nick now for almost four years as the creator up team. Yeah. I remember meeting you guys back in 2017 at a coffee shop when it was still in its infancy and then awesome to see how much the company has grown. And that's pretty normal. We track companies for one to four years before we invest, we yeah. watch and see them grow and we see if they could disrupt the way that learning happens, make it more efficient, make it better. I skipped a little bit of my background is after my third company failed spectacularly in 2001, which we can talk about over a drink, maybe on the second podcast. Yes, yes. I decided I would devote my life to this intersection of education and technology and entrepreneurship, not just start random companies and random markets, which is what I had done before. Mm -hmm. And it's because I grew up in an education family and my dad was a teacher and a superintendent. And so I'm always looking for companies that have growth potential mm -hmm. and that really are improving the efficiency of the system, making it better, making it higher quality. And that's mm -hmm. a lot of what Creator Up does. Yeah. And, and it's also builds on the last conversation that we had with the Creator Up team it was about a year ago, Mike, you were on Trending in Education and we were still maybe at the tail end of the first wave or at some point in the, the first reckoning that we were all having about the pandemic and how much of a transformative experience it was going to be for learning and education clearly, but then also for how we think about creating digital media who should do it, where they would do it from, how do they do it well? What's the last year been like and how has that perhaps impacted the world of educational media and some of the stuff that, that you've been doing at Creator Up? What a scary time that was for everybody where all they thought about was my health, my job, my family as the top three priorities. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't really expect anyone to be thinking about media as something that was important at the same time, people were beginning to realize whether it was subconscious or overtly that it was very much a part of their lives. This is how we're now learning. This is how we're communicating. This is how we're sharing information exclusively because we can't meet. And so our business was transformed in a way that we became no longer was this perceived anymore as a nice to have. This was a need to have. 
in order to continue learning and to continue doing business. And so we saw just a complete shift in attitude and approach towards the, the products that we were offering and a need to begin to diversify them away from just short form video to live streaming and other types of solutions for educators that were meeting their needs. Yeah. So from our perspective, there was an explosion in demand that happened at that time to reflect this now need to have a way to communicate with yeah. each other. Yeah. Nick, any thoughts uh, from you on the impact of the pandemic and how that may have uh, transformed or accelerated things? Uh, and I know you're a global company. And uh, if I recall, you you do log the frequent flyer miles. Any perspective uh, on any or all of this? Yeah, no, great question. You know, at the heart, everyone's got a, a story to tell, right? You know, so whether you're a visionary or an entrepreneur or you're in an organization that is launching a new product, launching a new service, has a mission that you want to communicate. You're trying to tell a story at the end of the day. And historically, there were other means and ways of telling that story. And I think through the pandemic, it forced everybody to go digital. It forced everybody to, to look at solutions that they probably hadn't used as much in the past. And so whether you are you know, teaching a course to students, whether you are trying to recruit students to that particular program, whether you're trying just to describe a day in the life or whether you're trying to share your latest health and safety protocols and explain what you're doing on campus. There are so many stories out there. If you want to celebrate the successes of graduation or accomplishing a key milestone, then, you know, there are now tools and abilities to, to do that. And video, I think is key to that, whether it's recorded video or live video, you need a full palette of tools available to you to tell that story. As Mike Tringe often quotes, video is the 21st century pen. Yeah. Having the ability to uh, create all these different types of content and tell your stories. I think is absolutely critical to the era that we're living in right now. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess both the need to go digital to Mike's point and the need to tell your story in a more engaging way. And the fact that we've all been confronted with very powerful, traumatic, moving experiences is something that also I think manifests in a need for that digital storytelling. And then Jason, I know from your vantage point, you must have seen tremendous transformation and disruption in a lot of aspects of the the educational companies that that you're looking at not to mention just in our lives but any perspective for you in terms of trends that might impact educational media or just uh, our lives as learners in this digital age yeah definitely one of our four major investment thesis areas is to invest in companies that are bringing about digital learning 3.0 is what we think of it internally as mm -hmm. and you can see this with coursera going public or more and more courses including high quality video content even virtual reality content yeah live streaming being super important to developing that real in-time, almost like a classroom experience that's very important nowadays, even before the pandemic. A lot of people don't know this, but even before the pandemic, 51% of the graduate degrees issued in the United States were online graduate degrees. Interesting. So even in 2019, before the pandemic, then of <laughs> course the pandemic hits, everybody's online, everybody's hyper aware of how 
high quality is this actually? Mm -hmm. I'm going to Yale. I expect a Yale-like experience. You're going to ASU. You expect an ASU-like experience. Turns out ASU's quality is higher than Yale online. And people are paying attention to this. Mm -hmm. And people are willing to spend different amounts on this. And so we saw the the adoption of video and virtual reality go through the roof during the pandemic. We tracked it very closely across a lot of colleges and school districts that we worked with. We already knew it was increasing. I mean, you can't, you know, walk five feet without seeing somebody doing a TikTok. Right. But, but at the same time, I don't think people realize how critical video, virtual reality, and really live engaging interface mm-hmm. and experience is for students. Yeah. Students are making decisions based on that in terms of where they go to college. Companies are making decisions about that in terms of sending out sales training. Yep. In video format to train their everybody globally, as opposed to inviting them to a summit in a location. Companies mm-hmm. got really creative over this last year. And most of us, we're still each of us in our homes. The adoption of rich media and interactive digital experiences is just growing. Yeah. And, and honestly, creator up is right in the middle of it. I also love the fact that the company is called creator up as opposed to video up or right. something like that. This really is about helping all the creatives that are out there that have talent that can be used through digital tool sets mm-hmm. to create, as Nick calls it, or Mike calls it interactive content, high quality content. It's even more than content though. It's interactive media mm-hmm. that is, is becoming more and more important. And it's a big part of our investment thesis. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, Jason's talking about education 3.0. And uh, some of these new and emerging media formats, that's another place where it, my perspective is that the floor was raised through the pandemic. Everyone now has, hopefully, if you're a digital professional, you know how to fire up a Zoom room and do some of the basic functionality that's built into this consumer class of digital applications that are out there. That group still needs help. They need handholding. They need training, but they can perform at a baseline of competency, which I think is a real breakthrough in many cases. And it's something we forget about in light of the pandemic. However, there's a relatively low ceiling to what those individuals can do. So these platforms that are out there allow them to get to this new digital baseline relatively fast. And I think the question is, where does the differentiation happen in terms of the experience from there. And my perception is that's part of the space that Creator Up has been filling. Mike, as someone who turned me on to mm-hmm last year as an emerging platform, it's also fun to say, you strike me as someone who's always trying to stay ahead of the game. I like to, to quote Gretzky, skate to where the puck is going. How do you make sure that the media experiences that you can deliver with your partners differentiate and go a level up from this new baseline that may have been established in the last year? Yeah, uh, 100%. I think if you look at media products in general across the board, most people think of them in a very homogenous way, a video, a TV show, a film. But what has not been done that Creator Up has done to service both the market and the supply is to define that more clearly, more carefully, with more precision by vertical, by product type, et cetera. And that's what our marketplace essentially does. Further to that, I'd like to highlight that the reason media is hard is because it requires technical skills. For those that haven't gone to film school, film school's really hard. And that doesn't mean that people can't learn how to do these things, but being an editor 
is a really sophisticated skill, writer, actor, camera person, etc. This is a barrier to entry for the world to be able to create great content that consumers are expecting. Ultimately, what CreatorUp is able to do with our teams is bring those teams of technicians together to expertly produce the content for our partners according to their specific needs. So whether that would be a live stream or interactive educational content. Further to that, one of the, I think, interesting things about this is that our clients have stakeholders who are oftentimes participants in the content. So we're talking about an instructor who before their stage has been the classroom. When that stage is taken away, your stage is now a box that you are very fearful of and a camera that's recording you. So ultimately having a technician director who's able to help coach you, having someone help coach you on how to write the content or voice over that content. We're all being swept up in the world of media creation. It's just, are you a technician or are you going to be participating in another way? But either way, consumers are expecting high quality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it is a collaborative exercise doing this well. I'm always curious from my guests, where do you find inspiration outside, outside of education? Where are you looking for inspiration these days? It sounds like media and entertainment might be a space, but I'd be curious, Nick, maybe based on your background, where do you look to bring new ideas to the education space based on what's happening in the larger world around us? Yeah, I think there are two sources of inspiration. One, as you rightly mentioned, is sort of media and entertainment. How do you bring that skill of storytelling of the production values to education? Right. If you can turn to the media and entertainment industry that has been doing this for decades, they start to bring education to life in new ways. That's a tremendous source um, of inspiration. The second source is how you access that. And so for that, I think you look at, you know, the technology platforms that are out there. Historically, you might just simply go to a restaurant to, to eat or to go to the supermarket. And now the various food delivery services are commonplace. <laughs> and same for, you know, a taxi service to take you to the airport. We all use Uber now, et cetera. <laughs> and so that, I think, is a second source of inspiration. So how do you provide easy, affordable, accessible ways of creating content. If we can democratize access to the ability of people to create great content, that is a major breakthrough. Yeah. Right? It's a new methodology mm -hmm. that well, takes inspiration, I think, from some of the, the greatest technology companies and platforms out there. Yeah. Jason, we don't want you to lose your thought. I know you were trying to get something out there. We, we don't, hopefully it's still there. It's definitely still there because Nick was adding on to it. I was just going to pile on top of that, that the number one issue in online education is that the students say that they're bored <laughs> with that. And you even have this difficulty if you watch certain shows on television, the ones that are most exciting that keep people in, that draw them episode after episode. They have that great story. They have that, those characters you care about and you get hooked in. And some of that needs to be brought to education, mm -hmm. but it's actually a process that is going to take a few iterations here because there's a really great science of instructional design and learning design mm -hmm. that needs to be implemented every time video is inserted into a course, 
Is it inserted next to text? Does it take over the screen and become the full experience? Yeah. Um, are you watching it on an HD screen or are you watching it on a small screen? There are now courses you can stream on your HD TV from certain colleges, and that's going to be different than the experience you get on the small screen. Yeah. But all of this is going to uh, go through multiple iterations over the next couple of years. And we do need to bring the engagement of high quality video to the world of learning. And we also have to figure out ways to make learning design, I would say almost like pre-scripted in some sense into certain modules that you can buy. Yeah. And, and this is being worked out in instructional design studios all over the country right now. If you're at ASU or CHAG or Southern New Hampshire or Coursera. People are working through this right now to figure out a 60 minute lecture is definitely not the best thing. However, a 45 minute Nova program or history channel program could be a great way right. for that type of content. And then how do we meld those things together mm -hmm. to, to ensure that the learning outcomes are best delivered? Yeah, exactly. And you were touching on it too, like in an age of TikTok, attention windows are, are super small and there is the, the trend towards being able to fit your learning into the context of the rest of your life, which is another trend that I think is related to this massive media revolution that's happening. Is there anything in terms of consumer behavior like that? I also tend to gravitate towards podcasts as another format that people can just fit into their commutes and they're doing the chores and these kinds of things. Are there any other changes? We're spending much more time from our respective homes now. Um, are there trends in terms of broader consumer behavior and the way we think about ourselves and our lives and our learning outcomes that you're noticing that can be reflected through the types of products and services you're delivering as video? Yeah, where to start? Maybe with my five-year-old nephew. Let's talk about screen time and what kids are doing on screens, which is they're spending more time on screens and they're watching a lot more video. and. Let me tell you, I have seen the evolution of kids' content that is pre-professionalization and post-professionalization, and I would rather have my kid be living right now than five or 10 years ago when it was in early days. So number blocks, this show, if you don't know it, buried 3.8 million followers on YouTube. My nephew can now multiply things that I couldn't dream of multiplying until fifth grade. Yeah. Uh, and he watches it all the time, mm -hmm. you know, so, so that's just thinking about kids content. It's animation, mm -hmm. right? It's very smart, very right. well done. Mm -hmm. It's not professionally produced necessarily from some studio Yeah, that that's one area and probably worth talk, talking about just that area right now, but that is something offered to our marketplace. If someone wants to go in and create that type of content, they, they can make it that good. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That example. You had me at number blocks as a father of a two-year-old. It's incredible. I'll just add to the number block example, Baiju's, which is the biggest new education company in India, which is purely video centric. And those are just two areas around early childhood education, all the way through to trade, right? Where now you're expected to learn at, at a Burger King or McDonald's through interactive VR how to do your job, right? So all the way from early childhood education to trade, you're seeing media is their central source of information. When I talk to folks about learning platforms, frequently YouTube is the first one that comes up, which is another example of the, the prevalence of video and how we understand how learning is 
delivered. And then frequently the types of videos that people are learning from in that context is very micro targeted. I just need to know how to do this very small thing. That just in time nature is interesting. And it's one that I know we've all talked in different ways about personalization. It's another place where video, I think, can now become more personalized, more humanized, more targeted to the, the needs of the individual learner. Nick, uh, how about from your perspective, like what trends are you noticing just in terms of how we're engaging with the world, engaging with video, and we can start, now we're getting into the future facing part of the conversation. So if you're starting to look a few years out, extrapolate some of these trends, where do you see video experiences, multimedia experiences, interactive experiences, fitting into our lives as learners and humans in the coming years? Yeah, let, let me maybe use a quick marketing analogy. You know, if you think of Mad Men in the marketing world, the 30-second TV spot was Hero. There were agencies and people focused on creating that exact format. And it was a brand talking, often with a spokesperson and with a jingle. No. Into exactly 30 seconds. Today... Yes, you can still use a 30-second spot. It has its places. But in order to reach people, you need many different formats, right? You need your six-second spot for YouTube. You need a different style and tone for all the, the plethora of platforms. The way you shoot it, the way you talk about it has completely changed. You know, often it's a much more of an authentic voice and more real world. And it has a different type of production value. It comes from different perspectives and so forth. So I think just like you wouldn't have one solution to create one 30 second TV spot in the past, you wouldn't want to do that in education. There isn't a one size fits all, a simple lecture capture, for example, or a standard lesson video for on-demand purposes. Yeah. You know, you need to have a, a multiple, like a, a Swiss army knife, if you like, of tools available. The upshot, I think, is many different ways to consume content, given the explosion of how we operate in our daily lives and the platforms that we access. And you need a solution to respond to all of that. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And then Jason, specifically in the educational space, educational media, you know, you're talking about this 3.0 wave that we're in the midst of to some extent. Are there any contours or elements to this emerging version of learning experiences that you're noticing? Yes. Although I would say the people that are down in the trenches building the courses and monitoring the courses see this even more. So I get it secondhand. Yeah. But they're looking really closely at which multimedia elements got the highest engagement from people. Mm -hmm. Was it the video files? Was it the interactives? How long did they spend on the page? And generally speaking, it's going from a text heavy world to a video and interactives world is called interactives. Yeah. I do think Nick's example of the 30 second spot is really interesting. I do think we're going to see the development of standardized learning media chunks, which already exist to a degree mm -hmm. where instructional designer will say, this is a, about information delivery, where we want the person to understand a concept and that concept needs to be lodged in their brain. And that is best done through a two minute video that names the concept, defines the concept, shows an example of the concept. And then you answer at the end, like a question that it designates you have gotten the concept yeah. and it's now in your brain, which would be different than learning a skill where you need to actually figure out how to 
cast uh, a fishing pole into the water properly. And then you need to like do some hand-eye coordination and something. And skills are different than a credential, just like learning objectives are different than a unit or a course. Mm -hmm. And all of these things are being made right now by craftsmen and women who are in the instructional design world, but they're going to become more and more learning science determined and standardized. And I love what Creator Up is doing because 70% of your customers are in the education or training space, or they're larger companies like Twitter or YouTube that are doing education related things with your offerings, but yep. you have figured out a way to take high quality and standardize it, keep the creativity in the process, but make it faster, better, cheaper for all these courses and programs that are going to be developed and are being developed right now for digital education 3.0. Yeah. Yeah. Not only getting kudos from Jason Palmer, but getting an appearance on trending in education, you're doing some things right. I'd love to get some quick parting thoughts from the three of you. Again, thanks to all three of you for joining. It's creatorup.com. If you're interested in creatorup, Jason Palmer, it's New Markets Venture Partners. NewMarketsVP.com is our website. We've invested in 50 companies and sold 20. We're excited to grow Creator Up and make it big and transformative. It already is pretty big and transformative already. So make it super big. Yeah. Yeah. Add a little uh, rocket fuel to this uh, SpaceX launch to keep it a little bit zeitgeisty and uh, analogy wise. But uh, any concluding uh, comments as we begin to wrap up here, folks, maybe starting with you, Nick, and then maybe going to Mike and, and Jason. I think this has been a, a great conversation. I, I love and, and passionate about this topic of creating content, of giving people access to storytelling in ways that they haven't had before. This has been the domain of, of studios that have been difficult to access. And so if, you know, if we can give everybody that 21st century pen, for us, that is game changing. YouTube, I think, transformed how we all access content and how content is distributed. I think now you need a new way to create content um, at scale. And so that's our hope that we give people that sort of 21st century pen that we give them these unique storytelling capabilities and we can help people get the word out, educate people, tell their stories, tell what they're passionate about, their values, their missions, et cetera, et cetera. And just to be able to do that, I think is, is why we're all here. Awesome. Mike, uh, parting thoughts? Yeah, please open your minds to the possibility of how media can help you and your teams communicate and or your families, your students. Fear is a big factor in stopping adoption. But I think what we're seeing is that younger generations have no fear. And I don't want to see a generation gap driven with a stake in the ground being media. So I'm hopeful of the future that educators and students alike can lean into media as uh, a means of education and learning. Mm -hmm. This final thought would be to be extra attentive in your own life or how you're learning new things. You know, a lot of younger people think that learning stops when you get that high school diploma or that college degree. But it's been researched pretty well, and two-thirds of your learning happens post-college degree. If you get one, it happens in your work life. Mm -hmm. And so we are all learning every single day. 
And more and more, I've been attentive over the last three years, like super attentive about how am I learning new things? How am I getting things accomplished? And it's mind blowing how much of it is happening through digital intermediation in mm -hmm. some way now. And if you're hyper attentive to that, then you'll start realizing how you can work that into your courses, work that into your programs, work that into your businesses. Like for example, there's multiple businesses I've talked to now who are actually training all their people through little video nuggets that mm -hmm. get sent out when a new feature is in introduced or when you want to get people to enter things in Salesforce a particular way, the best way is to show them a little 30 second spot of exactly here's how you do it. Here's how you type in the information. Here's how you get it done. It's way better than a quote professional development session that you mm -hmm. might have to sit in for 60 minutes and be bored out of your skull. The way learning happens is intermediated by digital all of yeah. it. Yeah. And it's in the right context, just in time exactly. and delivered across platforms. A lot of really interesting themes emerging from this conversation. I'd love to continue this conversation with our guests at, at a future time. Wonderful seeing really all three of you again. So Mike, Nick, and Jason. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of Trending in Education. Thank you, Mike. Same. Great to see you, man. Yeah, yeah. And for our listeners, hopefully you enjoyed what you were hearing. We're trying to stay on the cutting edge. That's why we're bringing in folks like those who we just spoke with today. Hopefully you're enjoying what you're hearing. If you like what you're hearing, write us a review, subscribe, tell a friend. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. Mm -hmm.